welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 27th of April 2021. I'm Chief Property Economist Kelvin Davidson, and I'm normally steered through this by our Head of Research, Nick Goodall, but he's currently on leave down in Invercargill, so I'm solo again today. So we'll see how it goes. Could be a short podcast. Nick, I know you'll listen in at some stage, so hope the break's going well. Uh, and that you're seeing a bit of sunshine too. Maybe get some of that so-called Southland sushi into you as well, uh, or in other words, a, a toasted cheese roll, pretty tasty down there. Uh, I should just also note that we're recording a day late this week due to, of course, the Anzac Day holiday yesterday. Hope everybody managed to mark it in some way. It's, it's certainly a pretty meaningful day for me. I've, I've been to places like the Somme, Passchendaele, Gallipoli, Monte Cassino, El Alamein, you know, these, these sort of notable uh, locations from the various unfortunate world wars um, and for me I guess yeah I always like to take a bit of a reti- bit of time to reflect on the significance of these events okay so in terms of the actual meat of the podcast today it's, it's actually been pretty quiet for data releases lately so pretty much I'll, I'll mainly just discuss what's ahead this week really uh, also cover off a, a few other points of interest that have they've been kicking around in my mind so so yeah, what's coming up? Well, first, let's cover off the Stats NZ Field Job Series. This is due Thursday and we'll cover March's results. Uh, I'd expect them to be relatively stable again. We've, we've probably got around that 2.2 million field jobs. So it's been relatively stable there for a few months now. That is a, kind of similar to pre-COVID levels. And so actually a, a pretty good result in terms of, of field jobs. Probably, I think, in the latest figures, construction, see further growth, but then offset by, by other sectors such as accommodation and food services that could potentially be a little bit weaker. So, yep, look out for those on Thursday. Uh, also this week, we've got ANZ Business and Consumer Confidence. Now, the, the first one of those is 1pm on Thursday, that's Business Confidence, and then 10am on Friday is Consumer Confidence. Now, the most Recent readings for both of these indicators have really been a little bit softer, uh, especially on the business side. You've got firms or evidence coming through of firms being a little more concerned about cost pressures, which is denting their confidence a little bit. And then households, uh, I suspect a, a, a bit of an influence on households and their consumer confidence has been you know, the government tax changes around around rental properties and and I think probably those people that are landlords within the household sector will be taking just a little bit of time to assess those effects you know maybe talking to their accountants talking to their lawyers and just seeing how all of that boils down for them so yeah there's been a few things going on in terms of both of those confidence measures lately if anything the figures this week could well be a slightly softer again some of those influences that I've just talked about are still present in the market but of course now we've got the positive effect of the travel travel bubble, so I I think that you know could be a factor to watch, uh, and if if we do see some stronger results this month, then I suspect it's probably a lot to do with that travel bubble. But yes, the key so those the, moving on from those things, I mean the key one for me this week in terms of data releases is really the Reserve Bank's mortgage lending figures due for March at, at three p.m. on Thursday. Uh, and shortly after those figures, we'll publish a, a Pulse article that, that will cover all the numbers in detail. Uh, as, a, as a sort of indicator, we, we already know that achieved sales volumes in March were, were very high, so it's it's inevitable that the mortgage lending figures will have been strong too. In terms of an indication, I, I've had a stab in the dark and had a bit of a guess at, at 8.5 billion of new lending flows in March, so we'll 
see next on next week's podcast if I was right or not. Sort of putting uh, putting myself out there a bit in terms of a, a numerical forecast. So we'll see how that goes. But I think rather than that, probably more interesting is actually to consider the breakdowns by loan to value ratio and by type of loan. So meaning there whether it's interest only or, or principal repayment. Now, of course, given that the 30% deposit requirement for investors kicked in again on the 1st of March, I mean, it seems almost certain that the, the share of high LVR investor lending will have dipped back below that 5% speed limit, which, of course, was, was part of those rules being reinstated on the 1st of March. So I suspect, yeah, we'll certainly see those high LVR flows having tailed off quite sharply. That was something we had already seen in previous months, so that's that's likely to have been seen again. Uh, so watch out for that one. And then, yeah, in terms of the share of new investor lending that's going out on interest-only terms, it's it's still quite high, you, you might say, about 40% or so of new lending flows each month to investors is done on interest-only terms. Now, it has been higher in the past. It was up above 50% if you go back a few years. So, but yeah, even at 40%, I think probably it's, it's still deemed a little high by some of the authorities. Um, that said, I suspect that the chances of any measures here or any restrictions from the Reserve Bank when it announces its financial stability review at 9am next Wednesday, i.e. the 5th of May, I suspect the chances of any measures have probably receded. And that's pretty much due to what the government's done, stepping in in terms of that removal or tapering of interest deductibility. I think that probably has reduced the actual demand for interest-only lending because now sort of equity is king, if you like, for investors. And so they may not want interest-only lending as much as they used to. So I think probably the Reserve Bank will want to take a wait-and-see approach on those interest-only measures. And so we could see... When that FSR is released on the 5th of May, we could see there's going to be a lot of commentary about it, a lot of analysis, but I think in the end they may just say, um, hey, we've got the ability to do this, we will we will wait and see, and, and we can step in if we need to in future. Uh, and then finally, in regards to the lending stuff, important to note that coming up on Saturday, i.e. the 1st of May, that official 40% deposit requirement for investors kicks in again. So... Uh, that's a, a bit of a, a day to watch for. Of course, the banks have already moved on this some time ago, You know, possibly even from memory prior to Christmas in terms of a 40% deposit requirement. So this is, is really just a bit of box ticking here on Saturday. It becomes official, but really in the market, investors have needed 40% for some time now anyway. So that's the that's the data coming up. That's kind of the real the real things that I'll be looking out for this week, and, and certainly those mortgage lending figures will be the absolute number one thing I'll be looking out for. In terms of other things to note, the early market indicators, of course, we cover these every week, and and at the moment, perhaps just a little bit hard to interpret. Uh, we've had the timing of Easter, we've had school holidays. There's a bunch of those seasonal type things going on, but if you cut through some of those some of those factors that it, it does seem like in the past sort of week to two weeks it's been relative stability for both those agency appraisals generated or in other words sort of a supply side measure of the market and bank valuations ordered or in other words that demand measure so things look things look relatively stable for both of those things uh, which suggests you know we might be in a period now where, where perhaps some of this real froth and heat in the market is starting to dissipate just a little bit 
we are, of course, also going into that traditionally quieter time in winter. So we're going to have to be a little bit conscious of, of extrapolating too much out of the volumes. But uh, yeah, we'll have to keep all of that in mind. Now, of course, we also can't really rely on annual comparisons either because a year ago we were in lockdown. And so that low base for any type of activity measure in the property market means that annual comparisons at the moment are going to be a little bit distorted. They'll look, they'll look very, very high, but that's only because you're coming off such a low base a year ago. Uh, now, interesting to note that actually 27th of April, we moved out of level four a year ago and down to level three. So it's amazing where a year goes and, and just goes to show sort of, sort of how far we've come. Although, of course, some way to go on COVID too. So just touching on that winter seasonality as well, I thought, I thought I'd just highlight something that there's a few sort of perceptions out there in the property market, a few cliches, if you like, that come up from time to time. And just touching on that winter seasonality, there is this perception out there that, oh, as a seller, I, I should never sell in winter because it, it means I don't get a price as good as I would if I sold in spring or summer. Now, actually, we've looked in the past and there's no real seasonality in prices. Yes, you get it in sales volumes, but in prices, not really. And, and I suppose a little bit of myth busting here that, that prices are better in spring. I, I don't think that's really the case. Now, maybe it will be for some, but of course, think about the logic. Yes, in spring, there's lots of buyers. So as a seller, you've got lots of people sort of out there looking around. But bear in mind, there's also lots of sellers. There's lots of listings in spring. And so both supply and demand are, are relatively high. Switch to winter. And yep, there's fewer buyers circulating around. It's cold. They don't want to go out to open homes. But also there's fewer people listing. So both supply and demand fall away in winter. And really, as I say, there's no real seasonality in prices. So I think there might be other factors you might want to think about in terms of uh, whether you sell in, in spring or summer or winter or autumn. But um, in terms of the end result for your price, might not really make it much difference. And then for owner-occupiers, while I'm at it on this sort of little rant, you know, there is this, as an owner-occupier, as, as people out there for, for owner-occupiers really, really celebrate rising house prices as a, as a good thing and it's, and it's boosted their wealth. And, you know, to an extent that's true, but keep in mind that if your property is going up, then everything else is probably going up too. And, and actually... If you're looking to, to trade up, perhaps you need that fourth bedroom or, you know, a study or an office or something, that next property up the ladder in dollar terms might actually have outpaced yours. And, and, and so you find that when you go to trade up, you actually need to find even more money to buy that next property up the ladder than you would have done if, if everything had just stayed flat. So, and of course that implies, you know, bigger mortgage, more interest payments, all, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's not all one-way traffic and sometimes actually for, for some people as owners, you know, flat house prices might be better or even falls potentially. You might be able to get a bargain in a, in a soft market. So, so yeah, a couple of things there. Seasonality of prices, not really an issue. And um, don't always celebrate rising prices as an owner-occupier because it might not necessarily uh, always be the, the true story. Uh, so that's pretty much a wrap. Uh, relatively short today, I think. A couple of things just to note as a, as a final wrap-up. Please look out for our Q1 2021 Property Market and Economic Update Report that will be published this week. Pretty comprehensive look back at all of the data around the economy and property market from January to March. And I think this one, you know, a bit of a light in the sand, really, given 
that change to the government's housing policy on the 23rd of March. That's really sort of setting the scene for, for the themes that we'll be looking out for in Q2. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting when we when we get around to writing Q2's report in about three months' time, how things are looking. Yeah, will we have seen really major major changes or will it be sort of ticking along as, as, as expected? So, yeah, that'll be really fascinating to look back. Uh, and also check out our research news tab at corelogic.co.nz for our latest Pulse article that was published uh, towards the end of last week and just looked at the if uh, well, first-time buyers' activity lately in, in detail, what shares of the market have they had in different parts of the country, what they've been paying um, in terms of median prices paid, and, yeah, any I think uh, the ultimate conclusion that we came to was perhaps just signs of fatigue and, and that what that might mean in terms of first home buyer activity from from here on so look out for that one go go have a look and, and some interesting sort of facts and figures in that article so that's it well thanks for listening uh, please do subscribe rate and review we we really check all of that feedback and, and it's really good to get that through ask any questions as well really gives us uh, good content for the for the podcast each week we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, and email, so get in touch anytime. And, and as I say, please, please do that because it gives us plenty of good content. So that's it. My name's Calvin. The other guy is normally Nick, and you've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Matewa. Mm-hmm.